Recording. Bam. Bam. Hello. Hello, Chris Light. Hello, Gwen Frey. Yo, here's what. Here's a weird thing. Go on. Like, my, I'm looking at the recording right now, and it's not on the zero. Oh wait, no, it just moved up. That is weird. Of course, what Gwen doesn't know is that there's a problem with a microphone. And, well, it's gonna sound like this for the rest of the episode. So, she apologizes for that, as do I for being unable to fix it in some sort of post-production wizardry. But, the episode's pretty good, so... Enjoy. Oh god, we should, uh, you know what we should do is we should stop talking about the depressing uh, topic of politics and yes. we should start talking about the uplifting games news. Yes! That's sarcasm. Oh. It was kind of a rough week, man. Yeah! It, was kind of a... it wasn't really a wonderful week. I mean, Hitman developer IO Interactive, I mean, they're kind of not a thing anymore as far as I'm aware. Yeah. From what I understand, Square is trying to sell off uh, IO Interactive. Ah, so, like, okay. <clears throat> so what happened is, um, like, a couple years back, I, I looked it up, hold on. Back in 2009, yes. uh, Square bought Eidos. Yes. And Eidos is, like, a, a big company that owned uh, IO Interactive. Oh, <clears throat> I didn't know that part, because I'm well aware of Eidos just from the... Uh... I mean, I think I want to say they're a British developer, and also they made Tomb Raider, right? So that's why I'm aware of Idos. Yeah, they've got um, they have a couple of franchises, and I think Hitman was like maybe not their strongest franchise. I don't think Hitman is why Square bought Idos. Let's put it that way. No, I mean I um, wouldn't say that was the main one, but I mean it's certainly been a consistent franchise, both. Uh, well, relatively critically. I mean, some of the later games weren't praised quite as highly as perhaps the most recent one and some of the older ones. But it's certainly been a consistent uh, IP. It's Yeah, it's critically acclaimed. I, and the recent ones have done really well with streamers and stuff. And yeah. Like, uh, so anytime there's... Um, Anytime there's a layoff at a studio where they have a good game, people are always people on the internet just kind of like get into a bit of a Twitter about it, get a, get a little excited, um, try to figure out what, what's going on. Mm. Like, so I was on Reddit, uh, and they, I was reading the thread about this, and everybody's the entire thread is, but Hitman is so good, uh, mm. why did, it must be not selling well? And part of me just wanted to be like, maybe. Like maybe it's not selling well, and maybe that's why Square sold it. But there's so many reasons why a, a major company like Square would want to sell off a, a smaller studio. That I think jumping to the conclusion that it has something to do with Hitman sales is actually... Um, that's a huge assumption that everybody seems to be making, and I'm not entirely sure I agree with it. Hmm. Like, for once, I think I actually disagree with people. Like... I, I you never do that. <laughs> well, I, I usually, in my industry, I, I kind of agree with, you know, like what, what I hear on podcasts and things. And I think like, uh, there are definitely some complaints about Hitman being an episodic game and are episodic games a good idea? Yeah. Very few franchises pull that off, right? Oh, no, that's like, true. Telltale. It was, 
I mean, the one thing I saw from the press side of things was a lot of people saying, huh, I thought that most Hitman, that most recent Hitman did quite well. And it seemed like they kind of nailed a good format to sell something in a modern way. And oh, that's unusual. But yeah, I guess it's the same thing where it's like, oh, maybe Hitman wasn't doing so well. I guess you disagree with. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe uh, a lot of people are yeah, you know. jumping to the conclusion. Yeah, a lot of people are jumping to the conclusion that it didn't sell well, and and it maybe it didn't, uh, and maybe it will in the future. I think when those games are bundled, uh, and you can like play through all the episodes, they'll probably see a huge resurgence. Yeah. I think uh, when uh, I I just wouldn't immediately jump to Square's trying to sell the studio because of the game. I think there's a million reasons why. Uh, a company like Square would want to sell a studio. Like, it could just be... I mean, it could be as simple as they need some immediate capital for the other franchises. It could be, like... This is going to sound weird, but in re- people run these companies, and sometimes you just don't like the studio director. Or there's just personality conflicts Maybe. between the studio. I uh, mean... Square is... I mean, uh, let's... Let's bring up a really obvious one. IO is a Danish company. Yes. Right? Are you about uh, to say you don't like the Danes or something? Like, what? Nobody likes <laughs> no. the Danes. We all know that. I'm like, what? Sometimes, like, for tax reasons and for just... It's a pain in the ass to work with companies that are uh, in Europe sometimes. I don't want to get into politics. But, like, there's a lot of taxes. There's a lot of labor laws um, that are different from... Uh, just between America and, and Denmark, for mm. instance. Or, like... There's this weird thing where you'll be um, working on a game uh, that's launching around Christmas time, and then September hits, and for some reason, all of Europe is gone. And that, like, if you're not European, that makes no sense. I feel like... What? I, I, am I right? Like, around September... <laughs> no, I, I don't know if it's Spain or France, but, like, Oh, maybe. I was going to say, random... what do you mean they're all gone? Like, where, where have they gone? So, listeners, somebody else will have experienced this. I will not be the only one. But there's certain countries in Europe that just take off September. Like, they're just, like, the entire studio is gone. And it's super weird. You mean, like, a national holiday happens or something? Yeah, like, for some reason, that's just when everybody goes on holiday at the same time. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. I was just like, what, they all vanish? I was like, I'm not aware of the (laughs) vanishing of September being a thing that happens. I mean... Maybe this is why the United Kingdom left the European Union. Is, is, is it because we all vanished in September and we weren't even aware? <laughs> I can't think of it. Maybe I can't think of anything I've done in September's. Nothing happens in that month, man. Mm, turns out. That's this, a this is all speculation, though. Uh, yeah, of course. Well, this is something that I think we wanted to talk about today, which was the idea of being laid off. Uh, yeah. In a studio, obviously it sucks. I've been laid off in jobs before. I imagine most people have. Once you get past the age of about 20, you've probably been laid off once in any sort of job. And stuff like this where like just an, an entire swathe of people... like You see studios set, shut down and just loads of people. Are like, They're all out of jobs now. So, oh. And so I want to discuss that. I mean, have you ever been laid off before? I have. I mean, obviously, yeah, right? I mean, the uh, this is an incredibly turbulent industry. Mm. Um, it's high risk at every level. Uh, and when you work at a big company, you can kind of feel like you're, you're 
it, it feels like a regular job. Yeah. Uh, because you're shielded and you don't see that you're actually running down to the, to the wire, that you're making million dollar bets. You yeah. don't see that. You're shielded from that, yeah. which is important. There's good. executives that deal with all of that. They're the people that randomly come out and shout and you're like, what's the matter with you? It's like, because they know. <laughs> They're like, yeah. we're all fired <laughs> soon enough. Like, Well, no, the, thing, the scary thing is they they live in a world where they're constantly in, it's like schrodinger's company they're like we are either complete we are so far in the red we are either we've launched this product and it does gangbusters or we are super fucked uh and i and you you believe when you run a company like that you have to believe that everything is great mm. you have to pro- like project this is going to go gangbusters and we're going to be out of the red and everything's going to be great and you kind of got to project that to keep morale up and stuff yeah uh, but, uh, you, you, in your head, you always, like, you have the fear. Well, yeah, and also you're, that's... you're a rational person. Yeah, and that's sort of part of your job, right? But, um... Yeah. So speaking to but you, yeah, you been, were saying you have been laid off before. Of, of course. I mean, we've, we've talked about, uh, like, I worked at Irrational Games and Irrational Games Shutdown. Yes. Um, I mean, Irrational Games Shutdown after we shipped Bioshock Infinite, which was a real kick to the teeth, mm-hmm. like, to make a game that's critically and financially successful... And have it shut down. I've also been a part of a more traditional. Uh, so when I first joined the industry, um, I joined a company called Slipgate Ironworks out in California. Mm. Uh, I moved. I packed all my stuff and I moved across the country in like a van and whatever I could fit in my van. Uh, and I drove over there and I made a new life in California and uh, kind of got that spun up. And six months later, that entire studio shut down. And that was a real like. Welcome to the industry, bitch. Like, wow. that was a real... Six months as well, and you've completely changed yeah, your life I... around. Like, I don't know anybody here. Yeah. I'm in a new place alone, and this is awful. And it, that was, like, a real, like, difficult I can moment. imagine. What did you do? Um, oh, it's weird, but I look at that as, like, the best... Some of the best time of my life in a really fucked up way. Because I met, like... Chris Lum and Yoho and, and Paul Berg and like all these, I'm just naming people. This means nothing to you guys. But like I met a bunch of people at that studio and we became friends really quickly and being laid off, like having a studio shut down and everybody being laid off at the same time uh, is a huge bonding experience. Mm. In a way. No, no, no. I know what you mean. Uh, and so like we, we were, it's like you're in hell, but you're in hell with a bunch of other people at the same time. And so because... And I'll say, like, a layoff where you don't lay off the entire studio, where you just lay off a small number of people, is very different from a layoff where the entire studio shuts down. Yeah. And when when the entire studio shuts down, it's kind of... It's awful, but it's so much better. Everybody... Everybody's helping everybody else with their demo reel. Everybody's giving each other feedback on their resumes. Everybody's trying to hire... Like, get every, help everybody else get jobs. And, yeah. Uh, you're... You would think it would be weird and competitive, and it's not. Well, you're all on the same team, right? You already were a team that worked together, and now it's like, well, we're all on team. Let's not be unemployed. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and you, you kind of work together and help each other out, and everybody's network becomes your network at the same time. And, um, and I mean, I was young, so there was a lot of, like, drinking and revelry, and you're unemployed, and it's like... Let's go down in a place of glory kind of attitude mm. that's that's amazing and fun um so i 
I mean, it's like, because you're in it with a bunch of other people, when you are in it with a bunch of other people, uh, that's, that's actually kind of great. And I'll say the best thing for my career has been, uh, the two layoffs I described. Yeah. Being laid off after six months because everybody in San Francisco, that's a major gaming hub. A lot of people stayed in San Francisco. The majority of people did, um, but went to completely different companies. So now all of a sudden I knew people at every company, right? Mm. Um, and Irrational was even more extreme because when Irrational shut down, we're in Boston and there's, I can list, there's Harmonix and there's Turbine. And most of the people that worked at Irrational um, are more into, um, on the art side at least, are, uh, have a different skill set. Turbine's these days mostly working on uh, mobile games and, and um, stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, Harmonix is just is an amazing company that doesn't quite have, like, they don't really reach for the, the art bar that Irrational Games was. Mm. Uh, and they definitely don't need the environment artists and the, the various artists that are our studio. So a, a lot of people at Irrational um, had no choice but to leave Boston. So it, that was complete scattershot. Like, I now have, uh, from Irrational, I know people all across the country i know people in other countries i know steve lee is out i think still in france somewhere like i know the uh i know people in london i know people i know you chris like hi but not from the layoff but i like because of of it though uh, yeah actually i mean i never i always said i would start an indie company i would go indie yeah. it's my goal from college like i loved making games like before going indie was a thing you could do i loved those little game jams we did in college and i know like i i always said i would and i had a plan to do it but then i i got you know older and all these guys i was gonna start like my company with my college buddies all got like houses and wives and they all work at microsoft now yeah. so they've got like company company men and they're grown-ups and I, real grown-ups it's one of those things that slowly becomes like a pipe dream that you realize you'll never do mm. like going indie and starting an indie company and then irrational shuts out and you have this situation where i'm looking at all these companies and i was like oh if i wanted to go indie I could maybe do it right now. And I'm looking around and Force was like, so I'm thinking about starting a company and going indie. Fuck yeah. So, uh, it, because of, because Irrational shut down, I started an indie studio with, with a couple other ex-Irrational people. Um, and that would never have happened. Uh, if, if Irrational hadn't shut down, I'd probably still be there working on, uh, whatever it is in this alternate timeline Irrational would have been doing. Bioshock probably something. another Bioshock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, it's very bittersweet and you don't want to look somebody in the eye who's just been laid off and be like, in the long term, this is the best case scenario. You can't say that because in the moment it sucks. Yeah. Right. In the moment, if I could go back and talk to myself, I would be like, Hey self, take a break. Uh, enjoy a vacation for once in your life. Like go go relax and figure out what you want and take the time between now and your next thing to make sure the next thing is really what you want. Um, and you want to believe that in that moment when you're laid off, you'll do that, but you don't like you're laid off. When I was laid off both times, the studio shut down, I was scrambling. No, yeah. You're terrified. Freaked out. 
was getting my sh- my reel together. I'm like, what if I'm actually terrible? What if I'm no longer a creative person? I don't know. Uh, you just, I, I every time I've been laid off, I've uh, every time the two times I've been through this, I uh, I think I I wasted the opportunity to really relax and think about what I wanted with my life, and yeah. I think I really jumped immediately back into the the job hunt and the job pool and took the the best thing i could find within a couple months um well i mean that there, there is certainly a reality i, I to just that. lied yeah i lied actually that's not true after a rational shutdown i started an indie company so well you know you, I, the first time yeah <laughs> yeah the first time the first time i definitely like jumped right back in i mean that seems like one useful bit of advice right like maybe if you can afford to take the time because i guess you know there's obviously practical worries about people that have families and stuff like that it's like oh yeah or mortgages or whatever you know you gotta make those payments but if you can take the time maybe do but i mean whatever like because you've been for it twice with two different outcomes one working for a huge triple a studio and the other mm-hmm. making your own studio like what oh, sort of like it, like if someone's just been laid off like we we're talking about io or whoever someone's just been laid off right now like is there any practical advice you can give someone that's like legit oh from my experience x y or z like you've mentioned having a network of friends and stuff like that well i mean it at the moment when you've been laid off there's not really like like you can't undo that right like mm. that, that's things we work in a very turbulent industry um this is a high risk industry and eventually you're going to be laid off. Um, and when it happens, you, um, I mean, I guess the try not to have too much baggage going into the interviews. <laughs> Cause usually when you're laid off, something's your studio has every studio has problems. Every studio has different problems. Yeah. Um, some studios have like, um, a maniac at the wheel. Some studios have uh, a problem where they just have, too much process and too many meetings and nothing you never work because you spend 90 percent of your time in meetings yeah it's like every studio has their own particular problems um and it's easy to go into a job interview and just be like so do you have a maniac at the wheel how many meetings do you go to how hard do you crunch like and just be like bullets of questions mm. that are that are just you like airing your baggage out in an yeah interview. no i, I know that as somebody who's had uh who's had a couple of those interviews like i can i can see that or like um uh i that that's a it's not even really a problem that's just a thing to be aware of that you're probably going to do it's that but uh, also i guess it's kind of off putting it. right it can't go be. in immediately and be all... like i'm pissed off you better not do that <laughs> shit as well Dude, we're human, and the people who are interviewing you are human and have been through layoffs most likely, and they see that and they know. Yeah. Like they, like a if you're gonna ask those questions, ask it of a producer because they'll immediately be like, "Yep, okay, I know, I now know what you went through, and I will make sure you do not go through that here." Yeah. Um. So that's one thing. I think a a a question that you're not gonna ask me because nobody thinks about it is, "What do you do if you're one of the people that was not laid off?" Oh, you mean in the um, layoff situation where some people were laid off, but not everyone was? Which is most, right? Mm. Um, like, if you look at this I.O., they didn't say they shut the studio. They said they there were layoffs. Yeah. Who knows how many? Like, that information hasn't come out yet. But there, uh, that's a weird situation. And that's honestly a much harder problem. 
because in this moment, when your studio has decided to lay off a major chunk, like a large percentage, like more than 25% or something of mm. your staff, some pretty major changes are coming. Um, and you don't want to be the person that sticks around for a couple months and then leaves. Like a, you, if you stay on, you're kind of committed to staying on. Because if you stay on for a little bit and then you leave, you could start this snowball effect or be a part of a snowball effect that ruins the studio. And then you'll feel you'll feel pressure not to do that. You'll feel guilt. Um, and so if you're going to leave, you want to leave right when everybody else is leaving. But you don't have that network where everybody when you're laid off, everybody wants to help you out, wants to review your reel, wants to look over your resume. If you're going to start looking right when there's a layoff, but you're kept you have to do it quietly, which is much harder. Yeah. Um, I guess you can't like go on social media and be like, hey, help. No. <laughs> no, you cannot. Yeah. Uh, so, so discreetly feeling out what your options are when you're one of the people that's kept is a much harder game to play mm. um, and is a game that I'm, I would not be surprised if that, that game is going on. Recruiters know too. Recruiters are calling me during this time, but it's recruiters are not where you get your best job opportunities. You get your best job opportunities through other people in the industry, mm. uh, through your friends. Um, like you don't want to do oh God. Like if I, if I go through a recruiter and they're like, I want you to do an animation test. I just like roll my eyes into my retina detach. Like really? I've been in the industry 10 years. Oh, I don't want to do your I don't animation. need to do that shit. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I, I do, and I will for certain studios if, like, if they have a different direction or, like, sometimes there's reasons. There's definitely reasons, but mm. if an, I want to hear that they need an animation test from, like, the animator or the artist on the team, not from, like, HR because they ask every single person who applies to do an animation test. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Because those take a long time, and I don't want to invest, like, You don't want to put all that work hours. in, yeah, and then be like, nothing came of that. Exactly. And so, um, uh, and, and that's the other thing looking for, looking for a job is like a part-time job. And if you're doing that while you're still at a company and I've read the company that's, that's staying around, like, I'm, I'm not at IO Interactive. It's just really easy to use this analogy, right? Mm. Like say you're one of the people that's kept at IO Interactive right now. Um, Square is trying to sell your company. You've, things Morale is probably not super high at the moment. Yeah. Maybe it is. I don't know. But, like, let's guess. Let's say in this hypothetical situation that morale is maybe not super high. Um, you are kind of tentatively looking for work, and you think maybe some of the other people at around at your studio are probably also just looking around and seeing if there are other opportunities at the same time, but you can't talk about it. Um, it... It's a very awkward, backstabby, weird time mm. when you're one of the people that's capped after a layoff. And I actually think that's uh, one of the worst case scenarios. Here's a fun fact. 12 people were kept uh, after Irrational shut down to work with Ken on what became Ghost Story Games. Uh, and we referred to them as the Cylons. From wow. BSG. Because it was... Not because they were evil, but because, like, if you watch that show, there's so much stress even among the Cylons. Yeah. And it was so much... It's actually kind of, in a way, really shitty to be a Cylon. Uh, 
But yeah, fun fact, we refer to them as the Cylons because there are 12 of them. <laughs> because there are anyway, 12 of them. One of them wears a red and dress. They, and you know what? They... <laughs> I mean, he's a cross-dresser, but we don't judge Chris. Like, hey, I, I'm just saying. The parallels yeah. are there. Oh, yeah. And I'll give it to, to Ghost Story Games. I'm really... We really wanted them to stick together and stick it out and, like, rise from the ashes and make something amazing, and they are. And mm. I'm really happy... Like, they managed to, through all of the bullshit, um, continue to be a studio, and I know morale was low. Like, if you were one of the people who was kept after Irrational Shutdown and you just watched over 95% of the people you know move, leave, uh, go do other things, to to stay and to be like, okay, we're going to rebuild from this mm. is hard. Yeah. And they did it. And they fucking did it. And I'm really happy. For them, I'm I'm really really excited to see what Ghost Story Games makes. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously out of that situation, you were around a group of people that you were like, we could make a studio, we could we could do that thing, and that's cool. But from from the first time you were laid off, and that you, I'm assuming that was from there to uh, irrational. What, uh, what, no, no, no. No, well, let's no, say um, what are the steps from there? Oh, um. As in, so not like that, a play-by-play, I... but like, as in, you're laid off. Oh, I was what laid off. What is the support I... system, and how do you... What what do you do to help yourself get another job? Um, this just goes back to how do you get jobs. Like, you... You polish up your demo reel, you go to industry events, <clears throat> and try to meet people. Uh, in the case of getting my job right after, uh, right after Slipgate shut down, there was another studio in the building and they were looking to start staffing up. And so they just poached a couple people that they thought were, uh, were up and coming. They, like, cause we all hung out at lunch and stuff. Yeah. I knew of the other studio in the building. I knew the art director. Um, and, uh, we were, I don't know, like, I don't want to say we were friends, but like we were, we were close. Like he was cool. Mm. Uh, he thought I was cool. He liked my work. Um, he gave me an offer. Like I went, there was no gap in pay for me. I went from, uh, I was laid ah, off, okay. and they, they have to pay you out for a month, and as soon as that month was up, I had started again in the same building. My life was, like, it was super stressful, but nothing changed. I wound up having the same commute. <laughs> That's the thing about being in San Francisco, Austin, or Seattle, mm. or maybe, I'm guessing, Vancouver or Montreal are similar, where uh, there's just so many studios, and you're just always hanging out with people from other studios all the time, that it's a lot easier to get work. I'm sure LA is the same one. Mm. Uh, in fact, in LA, it's almost gross because you you have to be friends with absolutely everybody because everything is so turbulent in LA. Any moment you wind up, you might wind up working for somebody else. Mm. So you can never be like, you have to be super nice. You never know uh, if you're going to have to be working across the street at a different studio at a different time. So you have to be nice to everybody from that studio. You have to constantly be trying to meet people and make friends. That's uh, LA is famous for that for f- having a kind of a fake feeling because, um, because of this because everything is so gig based in LA. Yeah, I mean they got film there too, which really contributes to that kind of culture. Yeah, I would imagine, right? Um, but San Francisco is nowhere near as bad. But you still all these other places I listed these kind of major gaming hubs. There's enough studios there that if you're um, you're probably going out to lunch with people. And hanging out with people from other studios. Um, and when you're 
when a studio shuts down, the other studios in the area will, um, if it, there's always needs like, mm. oh shit, we've, we've really needed another graphics programmer forever. Quick, who's their graphics programmer? So the first wave, like certain jobs just get snapped up immediately, especially programmers. They get snapped up immediately. Yeah. Um, other studios in the area will compete for them because they know you're there, you're local, you're probably good. Well, yeah, you've um, been employed seemingly by a company they're aware of. Yeah. Uh, so that'll happen. Um, the designers and the artists usually struggle a little bit more. Uh, but you, if you're a friendly person and, and you're, you know, hanging out with people at other studios all the time, you you kind of have an awareness that there's opening, where there's openings and where you might be able to fit in and where you might be an opportunity hire. Hmm. Uh, so I guess the, the, this sounds shitty, but like a lot of the work for, a lot of being in this industry is just being in this industry even when you're at one studio hanging out with people from other studios is like a thing and even if you don't do that um other people at your current studio probably do and will put you in contact yeah it seems like just friendships and getting to know people and being active kind of feel like almost insurance against yeah being the person that gets left behind you know i've given this talk to I'd like I've spoken in front of students and things a million times, and I always say the single most important thing in this industry is don't be an asshole. Mm. And I, it always gets a laugh, and people always think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. Oh yeah, like, I think it's so important. The sound of my reaction is uh, definitely uh, the mmm, fucking yes. Like <laughs> once you're actually in any sort of industry, it's like oh, don't be an asshole. It, once you're in an industry where people get turned over really fast. It's like, yeah, don't be an asshole, or everyone's gonna go. Don't hire that person; they're horrible. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's important. If you're an asshole, you better be really, really good. Oh god, yeah. And and these days, there's so many really good people. That's probably not enough. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. I mean, it's a collaborative thing, right? And I think that that sounds like it's the main takeaway. Like, there's practical things you can do, like you say, getting your show reel sorted. Making sure you're ready to go, making sure you're ready for opportunities when they come, but you kind of got you kind of have almost gotta be on that all the time, right? Like yeah. you create your own luck in the way of these opportunities will crop up because you've spent the time and not in a weird way, ideally you'd be talking to people you like, but like Yeah, I mean I one of the most fun things to do is hang out with people from other studios because you get to compare notes. Like, hey, we had you can't go out on Twitter and say, talk about the secret project you're doing. Yeah. Or talk about the problems you're having with, with this specific piece of middleware. I can't just go on Twitter and be like, all right, I'm going to use Unreal because I love Unreal and it's known that I love Unreal. But you can't go on Twitter and be like, fucking Unreal. Look at this bug. Look at this awful bug that Unreal has. Oh, how do we work around this? Because you have to have a working relationship with Epic. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, like, Everybody knows I freaking love Unreal. Um, I always use it. Double covered yourself there, going. I like yeah, it. Yeah, like there's. Not, no, I'm sad. I'm like, I just, I'm sorry, Dana. No, I really do love. I'll edit Unreal. this so it just sounds like out of nowhere. You're like fucking Unreal. <laughs> you would, God. Bullshit. <laughs> this, this engine's bulls. I'll, I'll take audio samples from other episodes. So it just sounds like oh, you're going on this tirade about Unreal. <laughs> no, like, I mean, when? Most... Whoa, are you sure you want to say that? Yes. <laughs> To be to be perfectly honest, though, there is some middleware out there that is known to be a bit of a pain and that you have to work around. 
<clears throat> particularly in the audio space, I think there's quite a few examples that people can can. If you're listening to this, you're probably smiling right now, thinking of a couple. And so in the industry, we we get together and we talk about how to work around some of these things. Mm. Um, and uh, just you know, like at lunch, beers after work, and it's fun and it's fun to hear how other studios are tackling things and and it gives you energy when you're uh, in that environment i think it's one of the one of the best reasons to be in a major hub like austin san francisco montreal vancouver is because you can do that Mm. i think in the boston community we have a thriving indie community but the triple a community is very small and one of the big bummers at irrational was that you really were in a bubble like they're um, we very rarely hung out with people from Turbine or Harmonics just because we are surprisingly far apart yeah. geographically. Uh, and I think it did hurt us as a studio. And I think being around other studios and being around other um, people who, who are approaching problems differently is super useful. I will say the flip side of that uh, is that I bet... Ghost Story Games would not exist if we were in San Francisco. I bet a lot of people would have fled. When Whenever there's trouble at a studio um, and you kind of like start discreetly looking, if you're in Boston and there's nothing really appealing around, it helps you kind of double down on what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, like, I bet, honestly, my company, I bet I would have had a really hard time convincing uh, like Chad and, and the different people at my company to, to stick around and start this indie thing with me. I, if if there was another studio that was strong that would have just snapped up yeah that uh, would have made them a good offer coworkers. right there and then and been like you can just keep doing what you're doing already and we'll give you money for it right now yeah yeah I so I think in a, in a way like having having there be no other options uh is a double-edged like it, it can be good and bad in ways mm. just like being laid off can be good and bad in ways bad initially but like maybe in the long term there's some good benefits I agree Gwen and uh well, I hope that helped somebody. Like, I think there's some good advice in there. It's sort of why we wanted to talk about this, just because, you know, it's a pertinent topic, and we hope we can help a little bit. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean... I don't know if we can help, but it is, it's definitely something that everybody in this industry will, will experience. And I think, like, the uh, everyone in this, studio, in this industry will experience a layoff at some point, or a studio closure of some sort at some point. And it will happen even... It will not necessarily happen at the studio you expect. Like, the weird uh, game that, that seems like it'll never make money and somehow the studio survives in spite of the game never making money seems to stick around forever while it's like IO Interactive can make Hitman a critically successful, amazing, episodic game and uh, wind up with layoffs and having their parent company try to sell them off. Like, you never know. Oh, no. Uh it's like being in a ship on the ocean, like in a rowboat or some shit. Oh, like, God, you just yeah. never know. It's always fun talking to you, Chris Light. Thanks, Gwen Frey. We should do it again, probably next week, right? Yeah, probably. Like, I don't know. Let's do a weekly thing. You know, let's record it. And then... Oh, my God. Then, then everyone can hear it? Put it on the internet? And then the, yeah. And then people could, like, tell us what they think about the stuff we say. Mm. Uh, like, what is going down in Europe? And is am I, am, <laughs> am I crazy that. or... When everyone's yeah, gone did. in September. Everyone's gone in September. A September or am I vanishing. Or uh, you know, or just leave us comments, or or write us reviews on. Maybe they'll they'll write us reviews on like 
you know, iTunes and stuff. Yeah, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you happen to be listening to us. We're on Twitter as well, Dialogue Boxcast. We don't post that much. Like, you made that Facebook page. I don't think either of us have put anything in it for ages. But Twitter's, yeah, I think, a- the best place to get me. And Gwen yeah. is a much more elusive creature. I think this probably publicly facing is probably almost... Uh, yeah, I'm a hermit. That yeah. is absolutely true. A social pretty, hermit. Pretty good. We are very much the reverse. Like, you are very much not a hermit when it comes to actually going out and talking to people and having friends in the real world and stuff. Whereas social yeah. media, you, you, you're very quiet. Well, I'm the, reverse the thing is, if, there's, if it's recorded, then I could get in trouble. <laughs> that's true. Like, that's very true. That's the fear. Well. Right. Well, thank you for joining me, Gwen. It's been great, Chris Light. I hope you had a wonderful chat. It was fun talking to you. This has been The Dialogue Box with Gwen Frey and Chris Light, and we will see you next week. You've been in The Dialogue Box.